We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, concluding our first look at all of the positional rankings. Today, we are talking wide receivers. If you missed out on quarterbacks, tight ends, or running backs, hit the description of this video. You can find links to all of that dynasty and rookie rankings in there, too. And the one man who has broken this all down with me. Thanks for biding your time on this one as I got myself caught up on all the receivers. The other positions are kind of easy to do. You know what's going on. There's a lot of receivers, Jake Seeley from theathletic.com. <laughs> Yeah, there are. There are actually in my rank is 130, and I still left people off the list. See that that's the move, right? If you want to do really well on fantasy pros, just list everybody, and that way, that no. if they do okay, like you're good. No, no, no. It's actually the opposite because they cut off after 40. I'm like giving it away. <laughs> like there, people are gaming the system. I'll just put it that way. I don't try to game the system, but there's a cutoff at 40 where only 40 count, but it's 40 if they're ranked and then 40 if you rank them. So if nobody ranked it, like the consensus has them at like 45 and you rank them at 45, he doesn't even count. Ah, if you want to find my list of all my rankings, you can find that up on DKPlaybook.com. Everything, for me at least, is set to PPR scoring, and that's what, how we're going to have this discussion. Jake, you do rankings for everything, though, don't you? Yes, uh, non-half and full-point PPR. Actually, the projections are there, so you can download them or copy and paste into Excel or Google Docs or whatever you want and tweak the projection like not you know, actually if you want to tweak the projections because you don't like what i have you can do that too i won't take it personal or if you want to put in your own scoring if you guys give six for a passing touchdown or 10 for a rushing touchdown like i mean you can tweak it yourself okay do you get to have like bonuses put in there too like a hundred yard bonuses or is that just too much for the projections no, 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 I don't. First of all, there's that. I can only fit so many columns wide for all the people who are like, you should put in this column. You should put in this. I'm like at the very top, I said, this is our limit. This is as far as we could go. I can't put anything more in there. And no, I don't have like 
300 yard games or anything like that. Like that, I don't have anything that, that inclusive. <laughs> All right. So if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, there are myriad ways that you can do this. One, if you're watching on Facebook and or YouTube, smash the like button of the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and power rank your top five wide receivers for PPR scoring for the upcoming season. And if you want to share it around, like uh, if you hit the share button on Facebook for the video, even better. It gives you double the weighting in the draw. I'll give you two ballots instead of one. Or if you want to tweet out or share it along the YouTube link as well, again, two ballots instead of one. That's one way to do it. Subscribe to the audio podcast, Pat Mayo Experience. Leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle, something nice about the show. Or for any football content that you see pop up on my Instagrams, at the PME, give me a follow, give me a heart, leave your DraftKings handle, and boom. You'll be in the draw as well. Winners announced on next Monday's show. You can find that on all the audio and video feeds. Jake, when I was breaking this down and trying to separate all the players into tiers, because that's how we've been doing this so far, in terms of tier one for PPR wide receivers, how big should I make this tier? Like, is the gap between number one and number seven all that pronounced? Or is there like legitimately like a top two guys, then everyone else is sort of like on a half tier behind them? See, I, I think you could look at it either way. The, 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 the tier itself, to your point, is not that pronounced. Like, you should go one through seven. Pretty, I think seven is a really good number. If I'm looking at it right now for the points projections I even have, it's a big tier that way. But I think when you factor in the floor and the ceiling combination and what we've seen from the players, I do think there's a definitive first two. Like, I think every single draft, it's Hawkins and Adams, in my opinion, as the first two and always the first two. You can start having a debate at number three or who you want. So they kind of are in that same tier where, you know, Hopkins to Juju Smith-Schuster might not be that big at the end of the year difference-wise, but I don't think that Juju Smith-Schuster should ever go in front of those two guys. So the – I mean, I've seen Juju Smith-Schuster ranked as the number one fantasy-wide receiver. That seems like a very hot takey sort of thing, but <laughs> it's not out of the realm of possibility being true either. So it depends on the risk tolerance that you want to go. So the guys that I was thinking about tossing into Tier 1 – you mentioned the first two, Hopkins and Adams. Then it would be like Michael Thomas, Julio, Beckham, Juju. And I threw Antonio Brad into that mix too. That's exactly the order I have them in. And those are the exact seven. No, I should have just read, off, fun, I, I just read off your sheet then. I mean, I don't have them <laughs> in any particular order. That's just the order I had them written down. The purpose of the show is to put them into that order, put them into a you tier. Does Mike Evans or Keenan Allen or AJ Green or anyone else do you think should be considered as a part of tier one at wide receiver. I, I think you can make a case. I mean, you can honestly make a case for T.Y. Hilton, too. I mean, 16 games of T.Y. Hilton, now that we've seen Andrew Luck is back to himself last year and potentially even going to pass more so this year, whereas this isn't one of those things where it's like, oh, well, he's got Funches and Paris Campbell and a healthy Jack Doyle, and, well, there won't be so much. No, this is going to soften things up for T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton was like the only option last year and seeing a lot of double coverage and triple coverage even at times. So, I think they, you can put T.Y. Hilton, Mike Evans, A.J. Green. Yeah, uh, Keenan Allen, obviously, his biggest question is always health. To be honest with you, if you want to look at the 12 games from last year, from when he came back. Tell me Edelman. Like, Tell me it's Edelman because I want to rank Edelman inside my top 10. Edelman should deserve to be in this conversation. Just based off consistency? Just based off his numbers from last year, the consistency and who's going to be around this year. Like He's going to see the exact same – if potentially not a bigger workload this year. Granted, the Patriots are a lot more run heavy than they ever were. One of the run heaviest teams last year. And I don't think that's going to change, but I have Julian Edelman actually, I have Julian Edelman at 11 
But I go, you know how I rank. I rank to my projections. I was as shocked as anybody to see him there. But my projections have him one spot in front of AJ Green. Hmm. I think AJ Green might be somewhat undervalued coming into this season. He's starting to suffer from the Marvin Harrison effect. And yes, he was injured last year. So that really stands out in a lot of people's minds. But we've been drafting. It's funny because Julio doesn't fall into the same tier as well, I guess, because Julio's had, you know, so many high-end performances, uh, especially like, you know, last year w- would stand out in that facet. But like AJ Green is just so he's been drafted like the turn of the first and second round or midway through the second round for I don't know six straight years now. Everyone has owned AJ Green at some point that no one wants to draft him anymore. They they want the new hot thing, Jake. And I understand that. I've actually got a decent amount of AJ Green so far because of that. He's slipping to the end of the second, early third round now, just because, as you said, is I don't know perception wise or whatever it is. I think the biggest problem is he just can't stay healthy and where Keenan Allen has turned the corner and seemingly is now starting to play a lot of games. AJ green is still dealing with it. Just dealt with it last year. You have the questions of Andy Dalton staying healthy as well. And then we saw what happens to that team passing wise with dress Jeff Driscoll and the rest of them. If, if there's no Andy Dalton, I mean, AJ green and everybody else is going to suffer. Plus Tyler Boyd's taking a step forward. So, I like A.J. Green. I, I'm with you. Like, if you told me at the end of the year, A.J. Green plays 16 games and Andy Dalton plays 16 games and A.J. Green's number five wide receiver on the season, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I just think there's so much baked into him now that I just I, I can't see taking him there. But he's turned into a value, to your point. Actually, when we get to him, there's another player that I think has turned into a great value because of the injuries. Hmm. We'll see about that. Get ready to enter the ring. DraftKings and Showtime Boxing have partnered to bring you closer to the action than ever before, introducing the Showtime Boxing Pick'em Game. For every 2019 Showtime Boxing event, you can come out swinging. Each fight card is the opportunity to duke it out for your share of $5,000 and a Showtime Boxing Swag Bag. Head to DraftKings.com Showtime to play against this Saturday's slate with the main event featuring Jamal Charlo versus Brandon Adams. Would you draft... A.J. Green or Amari Cooper? Because they're going like back-to-back in drafts. I'm taking A.J. Green because here's the difference. And we talked about Amari Cooper on the podcast over The Athletic just today. As a matter of fact, because he made that whole statement about wanting 2,000 yards and then he's going to be a cowboy for life. unless It still comes back to the quarterback. As efficient and as good and as underrated as Dak Prescott is, Dak Prescott's not throwing for 4,500 yards, not throwing for 35, 40 touchdowns. Andy Dalton has finished inside the top 10 twice in his career. Now, those are a long time ago, at least the second one at this point, at least. The fact is Andy Dalton can still throw for 30-plus touchdowns. He can still throw for 42, 43, 4,400 yards. And if so, you're telling me the number one with that versus the number one with Dak Prescott, I'm going to take A.J. Green. If we talk about – let's scale back to the very top of the board, Hopkins and Adams – I haven't yet to see anyone rank Adams above Hopkins, but if we're going to talk about these two being so close to begin with, could you see yourself ever taking Devontae Adams over DeAndre Hopkins if you had like the number seven pick? Uh, actually, you haven't seen anybody. You haven't seen me because I actually have Devontae Adams first everywhere. So maybe when you said in order before, I was I just heard you say Hopkins and Adams. And I guess if you said in that order, then no, you don't have the exact same order. You're off by one. I have at I have Adams first in non half and full point PPR. It's a very slim margin, but I have Adams first. The one thing about Devontae Adams, he was the only person, the only one in half point and full point PPR that had double digit points in every single game last year, including. 
DeAndre Hopkins. And you're telling me with Aaron Rodgers, assumably dealing with some injuries and poor play last year, and he still put that together. And they didn't really do much to address the wide receiver position this year, which tells you they, they like Valdez, Scantling, all the rest. But I, I'm going Devontae Adams. I understand the appeal and the excitement of Hopkins. And don't get me wrong, I'm not going to thumb my nose up at him and say, I don't want Hopkins. I, I might even share a couple to have, you know, just diversity in my drafts. But I have Adams first. Okay, so in terms of ADP it, right now, depending on what site that you look at, obviously, Hopkins is going around fifth overall. Adams is going around seventh overall. Would you put those guys over that second tier of running backs that we previously talked about? Mm, I won't just because you know me. I'm I need my bell cow running back. But if now we're talking, they're at eighth, ninth, tenth pick. That's where I take them because then you're kind of in the end of that second tier. It depends. Like I don't. I forget how big was our second tier. It was pretty big, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty large. It, 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 it's tier two ended up going to like running back number twelve or something like that. So even if you wanted to split yeah. those, uh, if you had a preference of like you love David Johnson or you love James Connor or you love Melvin Gordon, and you want to say those are the three guys or Le'Veon Bell, whoever it might be, I right. guess that becomes a personal approach to do it. But like I'm trying to think about me. Like, would I take Melvin Gordon over DeAndre Hopkins? I probably would. Would I take Bell over him? Probably not. I would. I can, I can see why not. I would. There's different concerns about the offensive line for the Jets and playing for the Jets and a year off from football and all. I would, but I understand your point. Where I'm saying is where I definitively will take them is like the eighth, ninth, tenth pick is because now you're still in that second tier. One of those very likely is making it back to you because around the turn, you're still going to see Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Michael Thomas all come off the board. So one of those running backs is going to be there. So there's no point in saying, well, let me push it a little bit longer because you're getting one of the two elites, in my opinion, where in this tier, as we mentioned at the top, these are the two safest in this tier. If either one of them is there, I'm going to take them because I'd rather have Adams and Hopkins or Adams or Hopkins and a James Conner versus an Odell Beckham and a David Johnson to that. That's where I see the drop off being more, a little bit bigger wide receiver wise. So if that's the case, it does sound like Hopkins and Adams should be in a tier by themselves. Cause you're not going to start considering Julio Jones at that eighth pick over some of those running backs. Are you correct? So correct. Yeah. So, yeah and that's I'll, why I would, I would break them apart personally. Yeah. I'll make those two a tier to themselves. And that leaves us maybe with an extended tier two, almost like we had with running back. I don't worry about Julio Jones per se, but I do worry about this Atlanta offense and potentially Matt Ryan in a first-year situation with a new offensive coordinator. There's been a track record. No, it's not first year. It's Dirk Cutter's he, first year as an offensive coordinator in Atlanta. But he's been on. But he's been under Cutter before. I, that's that's real dicey. I'm I mean, just saying, no, it's, it's not. The, it's, it's not your typical. It's, go, it's going to be a different offensive play than they had under Steve Sarkeesian. It is, but but probably not as much. But it's something he's dealt with before. It's not going to be a swing of like, oh my god, I've never seen all this stuff that he wants to do. And that's why I bring that up. It's like, yeah, it was a while ago, and even Goddard's going to have changed. But at the point being, like, I I just don't that whole the talk about it's Matt Ryan's first year in a new offense. I don't think plays as big as a part this year because it is Dirk Cotter. But when we're talking about these very elite and wide receivers, all we can really do is nitpick. Cause it's not like Julio Jones sucks. <laughs> don't draft him. Like we need to find stuff really on the fringes to 
just differentiate because there could be a huge difference and maybe it just turns out to be an injury but you want to get this right that if you end up in the second round and you have Jones and Thomas and Beckham and Juju like you want to make the right pick between those because a lot of people are going to have the choice between one of those five guys making the right choice is going to be imperative to success this year all right then we do we do want to make a subclass tier here because in my opinion if I'm on the board Michael Thomas will probably not probably he'll always be the number three for me because of that because if we are going to nitpick Julio Jones the injuries you bring up okay Dirk Hunter it is going to be at least a change from what Matt Ryan was doing last year Juju is like, all right, well, is he going to be able to handle being the number one consistently? Odell Beckham, yeah, it looks great that he's not with Eli Manning anymore, but he is still in a new team and a new offense. So for me, it's always going to be Michael Thomas. So, I mean, I you could almost make a case that Michael Thomas is just sitting there by himself. Yeah, I'm going to have Michael Thomas at number three. That's the way that I had it in my initial rank is I want to get confirmation. I need confirmation bias on this stuff, Jake. I can't just be out freewheeling <laughs> on my own. I've tried that for years. Not always a great success. But if we do play, let's let's just play the Negatron game against all these guys. What would be the, if we make a pros column and a cons column for these like next seven wide receivers? Let's throw out the yeah. pro column. We, we basically know what the pros are. The pros are they could all be the number one overall wide receiver. We know that. What's the con to Michael Thomas that the touchdowns don't end up materializing because there's just too many mouths to feed? He's going to get his receptions, but maybe we saw the peak of his target total last year. No, I think the only negative I could even think of, and that's why he's kind of by himself, in my opinion, is if Drew Brees declines. Like Drew Brees has already started passing a little bit less. Maybe he goes back to even two years ago where the touchdown total was even poor that's my only concern. It's not even Michael Thomas. It's just if Drew Brees takes another step back and they go even more run heavy, which I don't really think they would. But again, you want a negative. And that's what I'm saying is I think I think Michael Thomas is the safest outside the top two. All right. So we talk about Beckham. We know that he's, you know, he's a bit of a diva. If he doesn't start getting the ball right away, he might get freak out a little bit. He has dealt with injury history. He is with a brand new team. Although the situation upgrade does seem like it could negate a lot of that stuff. But I don't know. I I don't necessarily find him to be risky, but I don't have a good feel for Beckham in Cleveland. So there's a bit of mystery there for me. I guess that would be my negative is that I don't really know what his range of outcomes are. I know what the high end is that he's the best receiver in the league, but I don't know what his flow is compared to a lot of these top end guys i guess that would be my negative well i think the floor is he gets hurt this has been recurring through his entire career so far and then the other floor is he just doesn't fit well the personality becomes too much with him and baker and jarvis landry which isn't going to happen but we're trying to find negatives here ends up leading this team and not beckham and but if you see yesterday i think it was patrick claybon or i'm not sure but i think it was but he's he tweeted out all the incompletions of Eli Manning to Odell Beckham and just looking at how many times he easily missed them. And a lot of it was collapsing pocket, but at the same time, there was somewhere there wasn't even any pressure and he's just step, four steps, four throws. I think that upside, like you just said, is the Baker Mayfield to Odell Beckham has got everybody so excited, but let's be realistic. It's we've seen this before of saying, Oh, this guy's with a new team and everything's going to be different this time. And look at all the amazing. And I know, okay, this is just the first one that came to mind and I know is at the end of his career. So it's a little bit different, but Andre Johnson, when he went to play with Andrew Luck, and I was supposed to be like, Oh God, could you imagine what he can do now? Cause he's been dealing with crap quarterbacks in Houston all this time. And sometimes it doesn't happen again. His was for a different reason, but it's never a guarantee to just go to a new situation that looks better on paper and definitively works out. Yeah. We can just remember, uh, 
Amari Cooper being traded last season, it really working out going from a bad situation to a good situation, really improved his fantasy numbers, maybe on a somewhat inconsistent week-to-week basis, but there were giant spikes in there. And I could see something almost similarly happening to Beckham is that unless they really go out of their way to make him the focal point, if the Browns are actually improved this year, there are game situations where Nick Chubb runs the ball 30 times and Beckham just doesn't get his that week, or they end up just, you know, shadowing him over the top with man coverage down by the line of scrimmage, bumping him off the line. There's just a lot of room for either Jarvis Landry or Higgins or Njoku or your boy Callaway or Duke Johnson, if he's still on the team and just those guys are wide open. So yeah. Or, and they just find easier ways to move the ball down the field and almost sacrifice Beckham out. I can see that happening. And then if we compare him to Julio Jones, we have the injury history. We have the new offensive coordinator, not necessarily new to him, but new in the position as of this year. Plus you have an emerging Calvin Ridley, that maybe right. they don't need to lean on Julio as much. They have an emerging Calvin Ridley for sure. And they even have what took a step forward last year in Austin Hooper, who like, like just another mouth, another option in the red zone. And that's the biggest thing is like, if you look at Calvin Ridley, remember the start last year with the touchdowns, Ridley and Hooper being touchdown options. I mean, that's the real downside. If you want like on top of everything you just said about Julio Jones, I'm not that concerned about him. And I wouldn't rank Julio Jones up this high if, I, if we were, but to nitpick, I mean, there is a certain concern because what's been a bigger complaint until he finally got rolling about Julio Jones is when is he going to score a freaking touchdown? And so if you add in, we've already seen that happen before. We've seen that go for almost an entire season before. And you add in the emergence of Ridley and Hooper and maybe Devontae Freeman stays healthy somehow for the entire season. What if he only? What if Julio Jones has 1,600 yards and three touchdowns? It's funny to think about something like that, but I, I mean, if he had... Get 1,600 yards and three touchdowns. That would just be, I would say it's a crazy anomaly, but I feel like we've seen Julio seasons like that. Uh, We haven't been that far from it. I'm about about to pull it up to double check. I think he's come close to doing that kind of number before. I mean, he has 1,608 last year. He had 1,444 and three in 2017. Yeah, and that just, it kills your overall upside, but you would take that week-to-week consistency because again, we're talking about PPR scoring and it's ever more valuable to have that sort of player. Right. Absolutely. And it definitely helps in PPR with somebody like Julio, who's, you know, the touchdowns are just going to almost be icing on the cake at that point. So Julio over Beckham then? Uh, barely. Okay. So, I, so, I, I mean, they're all a part of the same tier. Yeah, we got to put them in some sort of order. So the other one here, Juju Smith-Schuster, where are the negatives with him? He's now the focal point on the Steelers right. in terms of the receiving game. There's talk about bumping him from the slot to the outside. And that's not to say that he cannot be successful out there or as successful as he was out of the slot, but that is a bit of a change. Maybe the Steelers team is in decline. Maybe he's just used to seeing secondary coverage. And now the shift to primary coverage from the opposing team uh, could really take a big hit back. Like what do you envision from Juju this year? I think you just named all the negatives, but biggest one out of that entire list. I mean, obviously you didn't even include Ben Roethlisberger, maybe taking a huge step back because he's the number two quarterback in fantasy passed a ton last year. Maybe the Steelers don't want to pass as much this year. Maybe they lean into James Conner a little bit more. Uh, But the biggest part about what you mentioned in that entire list is Juju outside because Juju coming out of college is like drew the comparison to Michael Thomas. He's that big slot flanker and he does really well in that role. And that's why, Something I've referenced on your show before is when I said Michael Thomas came out of college, I didn't see a much better fit to skill drafting-wise in like the past decade. Juju Smith-Schuster was pretty much very similar to that, is that he fit that role because Antonio Brown is what he's going to do on the outside. But Juju Smith-Schuster in that slot flanker role was amazing. 
But if they're pushing him outside more, and now we see more James Washington or Dante Moncrief or even Deontay Johnson, who they drafted, and they start to steal some of that slot work, that becomes a concern. It's not that I don't think Juju's talented enough. It's just we haven't seen him do it consistently and play outside consistently and get that double coverage at times consistently where he might have the same share from last year but be less efficient at it. So, again, I don't actually believe this is going to happen and he's not going to have a great season because I have him at seven. But when we're trying to nitpick, these are the concerns that you have to worry about with Juju. So let's finally go down to Antonio Brown, who's the last name that I threw into this tier. I know you you don't seem to be as high on Antonio Brown as some some people want to rank him as the number one wide receiver. And I think you can build a pros argument that gets at it. It just becomes a bit dicey and a bit risky once you start talking about that in a new situation with a f- inferior quarterback. But if I had to set, like he had 168 targets last year. If we had to set the over-under at 160 targets this year for Antonio Brown, I'd probably take the over. Uh, I will give you my number over by one. That's actually, I have him for 161. And you look, if he got to 180, would it shock me? No, but of all these people that I'm looking at right now, actually Antonio Brown leads my entire list. He's that's that. That's what I topped out at. You have to be somewhat reasonable when you're trying to do projections. I have, I have Antonio Brown with 161. The next closest I have is 156. So he's top spot. Who is the 156? DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah. So he's right in front of them. So by five, and again, like 180 wouldn't shock me, but out of all these people around the 150s and 160s, he's got one of the lower reception totals because it comes back to Derek Carr. Now, maybe the connection's better there. Maybe Derek Carr bounces back to what we saw a few years ago where people were getting excited thinking Derek Carr was going to not necessarily be the next great thing, but in the conversation of in that second, third tier range of like a 12th best quarterback in the league, both real and in fantasy. If he gets back to that and the connections there and he does see 170, 180 targets, yeah, Antonio Brown finishing number one is certainly not out of that conversation. I just think if you look at the Raiders and Derek Carr, you just understand that's the that's the risk right there. We just explained it. Nobody needs to have explanation of why you include Derek Carr's name and say, oh, what what's the concern there? Uh, yeah. I can see that, but I mean, we had no problem ranking Beckham inside like the top six or anything like that the past few years with Eli as his quarterback, and I guess maybe that proves that it didn't turn out so hot, but if this just gets into a situation where Carr drops back and just chucks it to Brown every single time, that could be fantasy bonanza. I uh, see, I, and that's why I don't I don't think that's going to happen, especially with the drafting of Josh Jacobs. You know that when we talked about it during the running back show and what I referenced about people with that misnomer about John Gruden saying that, oh, he doesn't use a bell cut, and that's not true. I, I go I, Again, go back to it. Cadillac Williams' his rookie season, 244 carries, or 290 carries in 14 games, and then 244 in 14 games the year after that. And then the Ernest Graham that I brought up and the Tyrone Wheatley and the – he uses his running back, and they drafted him in the first round. And Josh Jacobs, I don't think it's just going to be chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, unless the defense is awful. But I don't think the defense is going to be awful. I think the defense was already half decent last year. Obviously, the loss of Khalil Mack with that trade impacted them a lot. But they picked up a lot of decent pieces in the draft and made some moves this offseason where I think it'll be at least middle of the road. And it's not going to be like, oh, they're just passing it nonstop in the fourth quarter every game. If you had to draft one of them in a PPR scoring format, would it be Juju or would it be Antonio Brown? <sighs> I'd probably, you, gotta, I, you can only pick one of them. 
Well, uh, so well, I'm going to give you my real answer. My real answer is I'm going to straddle the fence and probably take a 50-50 share. To, oh, you know, give me a break. I play, you know what, Jake? I'm playing in one league. I'm in the second round towards I, the back end. This is my choice. I got to make a pick. I got to pick Juju or I got to pick Antonio Brown. Which one is it? I'm taking, I'll take Juju for the ceiling because of the quarterback again. If Ben Roethlisberger does what he did last year, even if the efficiency is not to the level of what it was for Juju last year, there's just no way. I don't care how much you like like James Washington or Deontay Johnson or Dante Moncrief or anybody on that team. If Ben Roethlisberger passes as much as he did last year with those numbers, Juju Smith-Schuster is probably going to finish inside the top five. I think that I'm going to lean Antonio Brown in this regard. I know you mentioned the defense wasn't that bad. It was pretty terrible. It ranked last in terms of DVOA. So maybe they can only improve from there. But if it continues to be that crappy, and then you look at the division that they play in, and you know the Chargers are going to have a good offense, and you know that the Chiefs are going to have a good offense. Who knows what's going on with Denver? But if you're going to be playing a lot of these games from behind and getting into some shootouts, it just seems to me like – like when I said take the over on the 160 targets, I know that's a lot of targets and you have projected for one over. I could see him crushing that number in terms of the over because you don't trade for a guy like this only to go around and turn turn around and hand the ball off. And if you're going to throw, you're actually going to take some shots with Antonio Brown. I just feel like it's a lot of potential garbage time production, but I don't care that it's garbage time production. And I do see a step backwards in terms of overall pass volume from the Steelers and maybe a tick up in terms of the Oakland Raiders. <laughs> Even so, do you know what the gap was last year? Between what? The attempts for the Steelers and the attempts for the Raiders. What was it? It was over 130 more attempts for the Steelers. Okay, but maybe some of that had to do with the fact that, A, well, we see that the Steelers throw to their running backs a lot, but B, you have Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster on your team. You have two really good options. If one of them's open, you're just going to huck it in their direction. I, I I don't really think so. Like, even if you drop 10%, and increase 10% for the Raiders, you're still off by a war of like 80, 90. So I, I, you'd have to be like a 20 and 20 on both sides to really get to where they're even. I just don't see who's stealing targets away from Antonio Brown. And maybe you can make the same case for Juju, but at least you have James Washington. At least you have Dante Moncrief throwing to the running backs. Like Antonio Brown is competing with Tyrell the gazelle. That I was just about to say it. <laughs> that, 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 that dude at tight end who they drafted, who, who we kind of like, Waller. Uh, you have, no, they didn't draft yeah, him. They, well, they had him. They had him. And now he's going to be starting. They didn't draft him. They actually picked him up because of the suspension. But anyway. So, so they'll... They'll, they'll throw to him a little bit. Rocket Richard out of the backfield and Jacobs out of the backfield. Like, you know, if you take Jared Cook off that team, which they have done, you just leave an abundance of targets out there. And if you think that they increase it up anyway, it just seems to be like, to me, it's going to be Brown all day long. Uh, you Look, and if he gets to 180 plus targets, again, like I just said it a little while ago that he could be a number one wide, the number one wide receiver. It just comes back to Derek Carr in this offense. I don't see them passing that much to put him in that conversation this year. Maybe I'm wrong. And if you want to go to Tony Brown, look, I just told you at the beginning, I didn't want to, I, I hate straddling the fence. You know me, I love strong opinions, but at, with how you can nitpick both in this whole nitpicking situation that you presented for all these top seven, I, I'm like, I want 50, 50. If I'm going one league, I'm going to lean Ben Roethlisberger over Derek Carr. And that's what it comes down to really. And I will plant my flag in the ground and I will go Antonio Brown over Juju Smith-Schuster. And as longtime viewers of the Pat Mayo experience know, just do the opposite of that, and you're going to be golden. That's how you win on this show. <laughs> do the opposite of what I say. So that's tier two. So overall, I got Hopkins and Adams as a part of tier one, one and two. Number three, Thomas, Julio, Odell, Antonio Brown, Juju. That's tier two. Tier three, uh, 
a lot of the names that we kind of previously threw out. I'm just going to start hucking names at you. Uh, you tell me okay. in, or, in or out of this tier, uh, and then we'll kind of expand on that. Mike Evans. Yes. In. Uh, Keenan Allen. In. In. T.Y. In. A.J. Green. In. Amari Cooper. Barely in. Okay. Adam Thielen. Yeah. All right. So we got it wishy-washy on Cooper. Barely. Those we'll, we'll talk about those two. Those two are on the bottom wrong. Stefan Diggs. Out. Out. Julian Edelman. In. Robert Woods. Out. Brandon. All the all the Rams out. Okay, I had all three of the Rams receivers at the back end of this. The only other two are Kenny Galladay. No. Next uh, year. Tyreek Hill. Well, how many games? I don't know. 14, even if it's only 14 games, if this gets two game suspension in maybe even if it's a tw- 12 games, probably possibly still in. See, that's the actually, let's, let's have the Tyree kill discussion right now then, because we don't know okay. what the suspension is going to be. And it seems like everyone's favorite caveman, me Cole, hard man uh, is not, you know, going up the ADPs as maybe we once thought he was going to because the suspension for Tyree Kill doesn't seem like it's going to be as punitive as maybe people thought it was from the outset. Like he might never play football again to he's going to be suspended the entire year to now it looks like they're fabricating text, like reading off a script that it might only get him four games. Like we don't know, but I guess we should know by the time the season comes along. Like I would just prefer, and here comes the tricky part. If he does get suspended and he does the Zeke thing where he appeals and then you don't know when he's going to be suspended, I would just prefer he be suspended six games at the beginning of the year and then I get him for the back half of the year because I don't want to play the situation where I don't know which week I'm not going to have Tyreek Hill. At least if I know from the outset that I don't have him, then I can figure out a way around that. I, I can game plan for that during the draft. But if he doesn't end up being suspended to like week nine and then he's suspended for the fantasy playoffs, that almost does me no good. I completely agree. And I think that's the biggest thing we have to look at is, you know, which way is it going to go? Is it going to be a definitive one and he's just going to take it and move on? Or, you know, maybe we get the appeal and it happens before the season starts. But if you go into the season and it's anything like the Ezekiel Elliott situation, I'm not saying I'm not going to draft them, but I would almost avoid them unless the value is enormous. Because like you said, if it drops in week eight and it's an eight game suspension, I mean, you just lost your wide receiver one talent wise and production wise in the middle of the season. Like you basically just lost somebody to injury. So if you don't know what the suspension is and you're doing a draft, I know you've done a lot of these early drafts. Where are you seeing him trend to? Cause it feels like it's an upward momentum. It has been moving up recently. It's also still been all over the map. Uh, you have some people who take Watkins first, or like at least I've been in some drafts where Watkins has still gone first and then Tyreek Hill. And I've been in some drafts as recent where Tyreek Hill goes first. I've never seen him get higher than the fourth round. Fourth round was, I actually even was a little shocked that he went that high because again, maybe it's only four games. And then if it's four games to start the season, as I said, 12 games or more for Tyreek Hill, he deserves to be right outside of that top tier because we know what you're going to get from him. And like you said, it's very easy and it's better to know if it's at the beginning of the season because you can make up for that a lot easier and then you get him for the playoffs. But Tyreek Hill usually what I've seen so far is mostly around the sixth round because now you start to see that's actually where Sammy Watkins usually comes off and then you have the other guys like Mike Williams and Robbie Anderson's and usually ends up in that world from what I've seen so far. 
It's funny that you mentioned Robbie Anderson and Mike Williams, because I have a question distinctly about those two players later on versus each other. But we'll get to that. Tease. Biz talk. (laughs) Back to tier three. So we've taken some people out of that tier. You didn't want the Rams receivers in. You didn't want Kenny Galladay in. Uh, And Tyreek Hill sort of on an island by himself. I'll probably just rank him after this tier. Like, would you, like, if you were in a draft right now, would you go Tyreek Hill or, like, one of the Rams guys? I'd go all of the Rams guys. So I'll put him after that tier, then, is what you're saying. Like, yeah. I, I, was, I, just, I would take Tyreek Hill over, like, the Tyler Lockett's and Elshons of the world right now, though, and just gamble on it. I, yeah, I don't have a problem there. Okay. Uh, Alshon was the one I was teasing from before. But do, do you want to talk – do you want to quick sidebar the Rams wide receivers real quick? Do you want to just talk about them? Well, do you want to go back to Tier 3, or do you want to talk about – because I have Kenny Galladay lumped in with that Tier 2. Okay, well, let's talk about that Tier 2, then. I don't. I don't see – it comes again down to the offense and it's the Matt Patricia. It's the new England Patriots. It's the run first. Well, not run first, more run balanced. I love Kenny Galladay as much as the next guy. Like I I think he's a terrific talent. I still think Marvin Jones has a lot left and is younger than people realize. And he's still a part of that offense. And carry on Johnson is an exceptional all around running back. If he can stay on the field and it's not the too many mouths to feed in that aspect. It's just, Kenny Galladay, I think, would be in this tier, lockstep, no problem. If you just took one of those pieces away, which is, hey, look, Kerryon Johnson staying on the field or Marvin Jones staying on the field is certainly possible. But you also brought in Amendola, not that he ever stays on the field or not that he's a significant threat. I just don't see the targets being as high as everybody else where Kenny Galladay, like, I'll just tell you, again, sneak preview. For everybody that I'm doing the sneak preview for, because I didn't do it before, Pat, and I, I know you always ask me to, go to theathletic.com slash all in sports and you get 30% off Kenny Galladay, 118 targets. That's the biggest thing is I just don't have him in the 130 plus. If you got him 130 plus and you believe that I'm wrong and that's going to happen, then yes, put him in this tier. Yeah. I think that I, I do see an expansion of his role just a little bit because of the immense talent that he is that 118 is right around where he was last season. I believe at 117 targets. So that mm-hmm. actually makes some more consistent sense year after year. But if you think that he does you know, expand his role with another year in the league, maybe they're just a bit more accustomed to having him around working some routes with him, or maybe Matt Stafford's like, screw this. I'm going to throw a sidearm to Kenny Galladay all day. That's in the cards too. Cause maybe they're not going to be so good. And maybe that they're throwing a little bit more. I don't know. I just like the talent of Kenny Galladay. And sometimes, well, we like to talk about consistency. We like to talk about opportunity. I do think those are the main things that you want to mine as it pertains to fantasy. I do think that talent at some point, once you get down to a certain point of the draft, if you're banking on talent, that's usually a good thing, even over opportunity with all things being equal. And I do appreciate the talent that he has, but the Rams receivers, I guess Cooper Cup is the big monkey wrench here. He's going to be back, it seems, for week one. Is he, yeah. the, is, he, is he the best one, or is Robert Woods the best one? Because I don't know if I like the inconsistency of Brandon Cooks. He's a weak winner, and then he's a weak loser. I'd rather just play him on DraftKings. Brandon Cooks is still super young, too, which is crazy. And if you look at the numbers that he's put up, here's the thing with the Rams wide receivers. It's not any of them individually. It's Jared Goff. And I'm going to go to something. So I wrote this up recently, and this is why I'm referencing it. Uh, the situation it's there's twofold here is first of all finishing all three of them inside the top 25 it, it that hasn't happened and i know that the buccaneers just barely missed it last year look at how much the buccaneers passed but finishing three wide receivers inside the top 25 let alone in more like so the top 20 where a lot of people are ranking them the last time was peyton manning it was actually the last two times it's happened is peyton manning when he's thrown for 49 55 touchdowns so the question that i come back to is it's jared golf and the biggest problem about jared golf is, you know, I I was never a huge fan of his, and I thought that Sean McVay did a lot to help him. 
But what I saw, and I think Emery Hunt was the one that told me this. So if it wasn't, if somebody else, I've been trying to find out where somebody told me about it. I'm going through my old podcast, but whatever it was, credit to the person who did. And we talked about it last year is that around the buy is when a lot of teams started realizing, hey, we need to take Sean McVay out of the equation. And they stopped showing their formation on defense until the switch came off or the basically the audio cuts off in the helmet. So once that happened, you can see Jared Goff's numbers, not throwing for touchdowns, throwing for 100 and something yards, getting intercepted. Uh, you should look at from the bye week all the way through the playoffs, including the Super Bowl, which obviously is the Patriots. But once that switch happened, the, the book might be out and just say, hey, you know what? Jared Goff is not that good with Sean McVay, without Sean McVay. So let's stop showing our formation. And Jared Goff is not going to be able to beat us. So that's where I come down to the Rams wide receivers. You told me these three wide receivers to go back to the Lions are playing with Matthew Stafford. Put them all three inside the top 25. I just have big concerns about Jared Goff. I think Cup is the best touchdown factor. I think Woods is the most consistent. And what you just said, I think Brandon Cooks is going to probably finish the best but be very roller coaster like Deshaun Jackson is prime. I'm just concerned about the entire passing game. So what do we do with that as it pertains to the rankings then? Because if I have them all ranked, let's say around anywhere from 19 to 25, all three of them slip into that. <laughs> right around where I have them. <laughs> slip into that slot. Like, and we know that one of them is probably going to be pretty good. The other one's going to be kind of close to that. And one guy might get left out on the outside looking in. I don't know how to distinguish who's going to be who. Yeah, I see. If I'm leaving anybody out so far... It's been Robert Woods. And despite the fact I just said he was the most consistent, and actually his numbers bear true to that with and without Cooper Cup on the field, his numbers were pretty consistent across the board. It wasn't like he did better and worse. Brandon Cooks was affected a lot more than he was. The biggest problem I have is I think Cooper Cup is, for whatever Jared Goff is, he's his boy in the red zone. And he's his boy when, like similarly Eli Manning, when he's bailing out and looking to Odell Beckham all the time is when Jared Goff gets scatterbrained and starts to bail out or panic mode, it's Cooper cup. So where, like I said, Brandon cooks is going to have the best numbers. It, you know, it's going to be 150 yards and a touchdown or two. And then the next week, two catches for 40. So I've, I'm chasing non PPR. I'm chasing cooks and cup. If I'm chasing PPR, because of the consistency, I think Woods is going to be the safest. I just think his ceiling's lower. Yeah, so for me as a part of this Tier 4, I'm going to go Robert Woods, then Cooper Cup, then Galladay, then Brandon Cooks. And that's going to be the tier by itself. Tyreek Hill would come after that. How does that sound? Uh, I would put that Stefan Diggs in there, too. Uh, I still have Diggs as a part of this tier above. So let's go back to Tier 3, as we just kind of glossed over that and tried to sort these out. Is Mike Evans the best player of this tier, or is it Keenan Allen? Or T.Y.? Uh, actually... Uh, all three of them are, I was going to say, back to back to back. And I have T.Y. Hilton barely in first, but they are, I mean, we're talking two points between the three of them. I think I like, I mean, I feel, and maybe the numbers don't bear this out, just at least from how I remember from owning Keenan Allen, that his consistency from week to week is usually pretty good. As opposed to, I don't want to say that Mike Evans is bad or Keenan or T.Y. Hilton is bad. They're not. They're very good. But it feels like they pop off a little bit more than Keenan Allen does, where he's right. just more steady Eddie across the board. Well, plus you get a lot of those Keenan Allen, like when he does pop off himself, I mean, we're talking like 12 receptions. So it's a, it's a very high pop off for him where you also get that floor. I think if we're going to do the poke holes in this area, we know what Hilton's the injury and the inconsistency where you get 200 yards and then 50. So, I mean, it's, it's Brandon Cooks just in a better situation with a better quarterback. Uh, when it comes down to Mike Evans, it's his own hands. Like Mike Evans' touchdown total was great. His numbers were great. It was what we wanted from Mike Evans. But you're still talking about somebody who catches the ball like 55 to 60% of the time at best. So 
if Chris Godwin's making a bigger impact, OJ Howard's a freak. And we were talking about could have like Gronkowski type impact. I mean, maybe Jameis Winston and the Arians offense and starts to get a little bit smarter about what he does. Maybe, maybe Mike Evans doesn't see as many targets this year. And if he doesn't, because he only catches like 55% of them, you know, maybe he takes a little bit. Of, again, just playing the poking holes game. Yeah, I, I think the only other wide receiver I'd want to throw into that mix is Julian Edelman, to tell you the truth. If you get 16 games out of him, you're probably looking at double-digit targets per game. Like, when you talked about it's going to be Antonio Brown and then DeAndre Hopkins in terms of overall targets based on a 16-game schedule, I would say Edelman has to be in the realm of those guys in terms of overall targets if he stays healthy. Yeah, yeah, and that's the biggest thing is if he stays healthy. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, we look, it's really early and usually it's never a bad thing that we hear at this point because everybody's in the best shape. Everybody looks great. But we have heard not so great things about Nikhil Harry so far where, you know, there was an argument. I even made it that in college, he doesn't need to separate because he's so good at turning those 50-50 balls into 80-20 balls is the exact quote I said. But it's the same time. This team doesn't, you know, they're not the most patient team. If you're not performing, maybe it's not him. Maybe you look at, yeah, they picked up Dontrell Inman. Maybe uh, if you look at the uh, Maurice Harris that they got off from the Redskins. I mean, there's options on this team, but if you look at them, it's a lot of question marks where, to your point, if Edelman stays out there for 16 games, he should see, like, like you said, double-digit targets per game. Julian Edelman or Mike Evans in PPR scoring? Do you want safe or do you want upside? I want. I I want. I want who I should draft. I'm not a coward, so give me upside. I would. I would still take Mike Evans, but that's that's how I have it right now. And I really wanted to rank Edelman inside my top ten, and I have him at number (laughs) eleven. But that's the point. Is I don't think so far you and I are the only ones that have said Edelman least deserves to be in the conversation. Edelman still does not go this even close to this realm in drafts. Where is he going in drafts that you've seen so far? Uh, I could here. I'll pull up one. I'm in right now. I'm in a 12 team PPR mock over at NFL.com. Uh, let's find out. Edelman control. Edelman went as wide receiver 16. See, so there you go at the end of the third round. So guys like Look. Thielen and Diggs and green are going above him. Yep. He's going right around. Well, at least this draft was the lock at Calvin Ridley, Chris Godwin range, which oh, is, Oh my God. I'd, I'd, like, I'd much rather have Edelman than those guys. Yeah. That's not even a conversation for me. Yeah, that's strange. So the rest of the guys here, you got Green, Cooper, Thielen, and Diggs. I think Thielen and Diggs deserve to be in this conversation. I think year two with Kirk Cousins could be a bit better than year one. Yeah, I definitely think so too, but I'm going to go back to something I wrote at the preseason last year about Thielen and Diggs is that if you look at Kirk Cousins as effectiveness, it's all going to come down to who gets the use out of the slot because Kirk Cousins is by far a wide margin better of a quarterback throwing to the slot than he is throwing outside the numbers. You can go look them all up. You can look at the article from last year. He's significantly better. Adam Thielen in the slot. We've seen Adam Thielen in the slot, but then they started tinkering with Stefan Diggs in the slot and they started moving them both and interchanging roles. And it really comes down to who's going to get used where. And the, the interesting thing was if you see Stefan Diggs, you would think, Oh, great slot receiver. His numbers were actually better outside than they were in the slot before last year. But if you look at it, I agree with you. I think that Kirk Cousins is being written off too fast for what happened last year. I think he can definitely improve, as you said, second year in this system. Still has two great wide receivers. I do, though, think it's going to come back down to, and as of today, I'm assuming they go back to Thielen with the effectiveness in the slot. But if you told me right now, day one, Thielen's outside, Diggs is in the slot, that's going to be their formation the most of the time, then I would switch this. Right now I have Thielen in first. I'm just going to take whoever's in the slot. 
I, I, I mean, and that could change week to week. We don't know what the game plan is going right. to be. Hopefully we you know, see some consistency from that front. I guess the big thing for me between the two would be just if Diggs is any sort of banged up, he's basically useless and he gets hurt at least once a season. <laughs> You're 100% right with that. I almost wish he'd do, do the uh, the Roddy White and just let us know when he's banged up. Like, yeah. remember when Roddy, was, Roddy White was like, I didn't practice, don't play me? I wish we got that. So I think that those two are at the bottom of the tier. I'll go Thielen over Diggs, but I would have A.J. Green and Amari Cooper over them. But I still don't want to draft Amari Cooper yes. is the weird thing. It's just he was so good <laughs> at the back end of last year that you can't deny the guy. Uh, and the biggest thing is that, look, you know, this is everybody wants to draft Amari Cooper every single year. The hype was always there. It was always making excuses. This year, it's going to be different. This year, it's going to be different. I'm looking for where Amari Cooper went. Yep. He was the 12th wide receiver off the board. And it just is that widely out of the range of like, oh, my God, I can't believe he went that high. But it's still, I mean, people are buying him near peak value. And that's always been the case with Amari Cooper's entire career is they buy him at basically his ceiling and I'm not going to buy it. I'm, you know, me. I'm never going to buy somebody at the ceiling when I can avoid it. You can't really avoid it in the first two rounds. So after tiers one and two, I'm going to go Keenan, T Y Evans, Edelman, green Cooper, Thielen Diggs, woods cup, Galladay cooks, Tyree kill sitting there, not knowing what his suspension is going to be. Then we get into tier five and then I got names like Lockett and Alshon Godwin Watkins, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, Robbie Anderson, Tyler Boyd, Mike Williams, Corey Davis, Mav Jones, Will Fuller, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Dante Pettis, Christian Kirk, DD Westbrook, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton. How do I make any sense of these guys? Oh, uh, you went a little deep on a couple of them. That no, I, 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 I was just throwing out names that I have like right. next on the list. I feel like those are the next few guys on the list. Unless there's a case you want to make for someone that wasn't said, but like, where do I distinguish this tier? Cause this does feel after you get to that Tyreek Hill conundrum where wide receiver drops off. Yeah. And the biggest thing that if you notice what you mentioned with a lot of those players is they're the number two option on their team. And like Robbie Anderson's not DJ Moore is not, but I mean, you mentioned it, Mike Williams is a, a lot. Well, Lockett's not either, but Ridley Godwin, who I actually even have higher than Lockett with both of them. And you keep going down Mike, like I said, Mike Williams, Tyler Boyd's the second option. Marvin Jones is the second option. Marvin Jones is actually much lower than that, but you kind of down to the number one on a questionable offense in a questionable situation or the number two, as an emerging player, as somebody who's in a better situation, I, I like Godwin and Ridley the most of this group. Sammy Watkins, too. Obviously, Sammy Watkins, because if he'll miss his time, he's going to see a significant boost. Uh, the one that I got to go back to, the one that I was bringing up before, is Alshon Jeffrey. I think Alshon Jeffrey, because of his soft tissue injuries and because he's always missing time, his risk has finally become baked in. And like The fact is, is Alshon Jeffrey, if he plays – 14 games with Carson Wentz being healthy. Obviously, it's going to come down to Carson Wentz, too. And I think that's why so much of the risk is finally baked in with him is you have the combination of the two. But if they play together for even just 14 games, Alshon Jeffrey, despite not having a 1,000 yards since he played with Brandon Marshall with the Bears, he still has top 15 upside if he can play and stay on the field. It's a huge question. But now that you're getting him as 27, 28, 29th wide receiver off the board, I, I have a high percentage of ownership of Alshon Jeffrey because now he's my third wide receiver. And I'll take Alshon Jeffrey as my third wide receiver. So the best player of this tier, you think, is Chris Godwin? Yes. No, no fear with that whatsoever? We're not going to get one of those one-catch, ten-target games from him again? Now look, I, that's always possible when you have Jameis Winston as your quarterback. But I think that you were hoping that we see a better Jameis Winston, a smarter Jameis Winston. But let's go down to it. Bruce Arians can only do so much with Jameis Winston. The biggest knock on Winston coming out of college and his entire career 
has always just been his inaccuracy decision-making. Part of it is he just makes poor decisions when he throws the ball. It might be on target, but it shouldn't be a target he's trying to make. And so that's what it comes down to. Chris Godwin, talent-wise, uh, you know this, Pat. I said it for three years in a row. We had Penn State wide receivers that people were overlooking. It started with Allen Robinson, then it was Chris Godwin, and now it's Deshaun Hamilton. Penn State produces wide receivers. Actually, they produced the running back, too, with Saquon Barkley. But they produce wide receivers. Godwin is a great talent. Godwin could be a number one on half the teams in the league. So as long as they're even passing, and they only need to hit that like quote, close to 5,000 yards last year, if Winston's thrown for 4,200, 4,300, Mike Evans and O.J. Howard are going to get theirs, and Godwin should still be in this conversation. But if you want to nitpick between, I'll tell you this, Godwin Lockett and Mike Williams, or who, no, Calvin Ridley. Those are three, and Mike Williams. Actually, those four. Those four, I think, are all kind of like a bunch in a similar situation. Uh, you wouldn't throw – I mean, you brought up Robbie Anderson earlier because I kind of had a 1v1. Would you rather have Robbie Anderson or would you rather have Mike Williams this year? I think I'd rather have Mike Williams, but I think they go back-to-back in the rankings. And I have him back-to-back in the rankings. I'd rather have Mike Williams, despite my projections saying Robbie Anderson's barely ahead of him. So that's one of those things. Is Again, I ranked in my projections – I'm going to draft Mike Williams uh, because I think Mike Williams is a terrific talent that people forgot about. Go back to that draft and people were arguing that he might be the better wide receiver than Corey Davis in that draft. And to date, despite the fact that he's missed a lot of time, he looked a little bit better in his short amount of time than Corey Davis has so far. Also the much better passing quarterback, also the much better offense and team as a whole. So I think if you look at Mike Williams, the touchdown upside is what I'm so excited about with him is I easily, he could easily hit 10, 12 touchdowns just because of his ability. Now, do you think that should detract from my Keenan Allen ranking at all? Like if I project and have Mike Williams rank this highway that I should move Keenan Allen behind like a T.Y. Hilton and a Mike Evans? No, because Tyrell's gone. No, you just, you're just basically taking a lot of that and putting it over to Mike Williams. Mike Williams should be the number two. That, that's really just all it comes down to. Okay, as it pertains to Calvin Ridley, he kind of tailed off a bit towards the end of the season. We just remember those big games from the first few weeks. And if we're going right. to nitpick with Julio Jones that, hey, like here's a new offensive coordinator, at least Matt Ryan and Julio remember that. Calvin Ridley does not. Uh, is this a situation <laughs> where he's a lot like, you know, the poor man's Brandon Cooks in this offense where he's going to have these gigantic weeks, but he's going to leave you high and dry a lot of the time? I don't think it'll be a lot of the time. I actually think he'd be more Cooper Cup than Brandon Cooks, where Cook Cup doesn't have Cooks upside, but he doesn't also have as much volatility. I think that's where Ridley sells in. And the, the appeal about Ridley is, yes, he tailed off. Yes, he's also a rookie who started dealing with more attention. You Don't forget, whatever that huge game it was, they actually switched coverage mid-game off Julio Jones and started treating Ridley as the number one in that game. Uh, defense has started to take note and that's what will happen is when you have a rookie doing more than what you expected is people are going to start to adjust to them same thing we see in fantasy baseball in baseball in real life is teams adjust they, they get the book out they realize how to stop them really is going to develop enough that my biggest thing is it's not really even of his own i think it's pushing sanu down to even a lesser role this year like sanu I don't even have on any of my team. Like you, you always use the best ball crutch argument. I don't even know if I want Sanu in a best ball crutch argument, just because I think that Sanu's pushed to the side enough that it's going to be Ridley over a hundred targets this year. It's funny when you mentioned Muhammad Sanu. I'm looking at my list of like the players that I have him grouped in with. It's like Jamison Crowder, uh, DK Metcalf, <laughs> yeah. Debo Samuel, Paris Campbell, uh, Devontae Parker, Marquise Lee, Randall Cobb, like that type of guy. Yeah, I don't even know if I have him that high. No, I actually, yeah, I have him even lower than you do. I have him down with like the Miles Boykin, Quincy, and Nunwa. 
I mean, no, you said Debo Samuel. So in that range. Yeah. I mean, you always have to, you know, that Sanu is going to get three shots to throw a touchdown pass to someone during the course of the season. <laughs> Just put, put them in your DraftKings lineup with the Brandon Cooks lineup every single week. Yeah. The big thing too, as it pertains to Calvin Ridley, six of his past, six of his final eight games of the season, fewer than 50 yards and five targets or less in six of those eight games. That worries me a little bit that in terms of a consistency perspective, now maybe they could get that all figured out in the off season, but I just don't know if I love the upside of this offense to have him like, and even you mentioned Tyler Lockett, like Godwin, I can see Bruce Arians, a team with a crappy defense going to be throwing a ton. I do worry that he might be the guy that everyone's super in on that super sucks when the season comes around, but I'm not going to let that frighten me now because everyone's kind of in on Godwin. I'll be in too. That's good. Ridley and Lockett. I mean, I, I think that they're better as potential fantasy options as Mike Williams and Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, but I don't trust them at all. No. Well, my biggest problem with Lockett is what are the targets going to be? Like, should, should Lockett even be this high? Like, should I have him above DJ Moore? I'm thinking maybe no. I think he's in the conversation. I have him slightly ahead of him. He's the number one and what should be mostly his offense. The thing with DJ Moore is I worry a little bit about Curtis Samuel and then obviously Christian McCaffrey at the backfield. So that's really what it comes down to. But how much is Russell Wilson going to pass? Is Russell Wilson going to have, when we had that conversation on that show, that same touchdown ratio, which I don't think anybody expects to have happen, is Tyler Lockett himself going to have his same success ratio last year and this is the biggest thing is like why Lockett isn't higher is because I don't even have him getting 100 targets this year if he doesn't get 100 targets and I've even I don't have him as successful as he was last year I do have him with a bit of a drop-off but what if it's a bigger drop-off than we expect what if it's a 20% drop-off or what, what, if, what if what if what if it's just even just a randomized touchdown regression that comes and he goes from 10 touchdowns to three touchdowns then he's no good Right. And that's a certain, that's certainly the consideration that you have to take with Tyler Lockett. And because of all that, because of where he's going, considering people see him as the number one, seeing what he just came off from last year, he's been long gone before I even have a chance to even think about taking him. I, I have not, I've done at least a dozen drafts so far. I have not owned Tyler Lockett once. So the big thing here for me, as it pertains to the Seattle offense, no Doug Baldwin this year, they let him go. He's not on a team. Do you know what that means, Jake? What does that mean? I can't get him wrong this year. It's terrific news. <laughs> oh, yeah, the knee problem is not a real thing. Draft Doug Baldwin anyway. Not a great call. <laughs> uh, but at least, hey, look, you you were the biggest like champion of Doug Baldwin for his career that I know. Hey, he's my guy. I loved it. He won me. I, I got sucked into he won me like two or three championships earlier in the decade that I was just like, I'm just riding with Doug Baldwin. He's so good. And then it turned out he was just like crippled. No. So uh, do you want to uh, do we get into the rest of the Seahawks? Is that what you want to do? Well, I'm just looking at it right now. Like you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like, don't they possess somewhat similar skill sets? Mm, somewhat. They're, they're, bur- uh, like they're, a- they're both kind of burners. Uh, well, DK Metcalf's a straight line burner. Tyler Luckett has more break off. Yeah, he's got he's got moves, but he's still a burner. Yeah, yeah to a degree. But I'll you also talking about DK Metcalf, who's a little bit better, at, like high pointing and being a touchdown red zone option. Like honestly, I do think DK Metcalf is going to be the number two for something. I know there's a lot of people out there trying to like campaign for David Moore and the rest of the options. And you could have they even drafted Gary Jennings and stuff like that. But or like Jerome Brown's even getting a little bit of news. The other, is it, what did you call him last year? Like the non other Brown or something like that? Yeah. Fake John Brown. 
That's who he was in yeah, Arizona. When, when he played in Arizona, yeah. he was fake John Brown behind John Brown. But like, here's the problem with the Seattle wide receivers. If you told me at the end of the year that David Moore was the highest scoring Seahawks wide receiver, wouldn't be super stunned. And that's the problem. And that's I'm with you on that. And that's why I'm kind of avoiding everybody. But I'll take it so far. I've taken a few flyers on DK Metcalf because I think he could actually have an impact similar to Tyler Lockett last year, touchdown wise, where it's a very high touchdown to reception to target rate. Maybe the yards aren't that exciting, but now we're talking about somebody that you don't get that excited about in PPR. Like, honestly, if I'm in a PPR, I might even lean to David Moore over DK Metcalf because it's full point PPR and a non PPR. I'm definitely going Metcalf. So, yeah, and, I mean, he's spelling it out in his name. His name is DraftKings Metcalf. You just play him on DraftKings. Don't put him <laughs> on your season-long team. You're going to be good to go. First, first 50-yard three-touchdown game. Exactly. That's exactly what you want. He's going to be a show, showdown slate killer. So I'm going to go Godwin, Ridley, Mike Williams, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Elshon Jeffrey, Tyler Lockett. That's going to be my Tier 5. Uh, at wide receiver unless I should be mixing in because the Sammy Watkins thing is really difficult to figure out because a lot of it hinges on Tyreek Hill doesn't it it does Uh, honestly like even if let's say Tyreek Hill plays 16 games which I don't think anybody assumes is going to happen but just if Sammy Watkins is at least still a wide receiver three I mean not in this tier I would put him right into the next tier but Sammy Watkins just staying healthy with Patrick Mahomes even Patrick Mahomes dropping down to let's 50 touchdowns, everybody. Like, drop off 10 touchdowns, and you're still talking about one of the best passing offenses and touchdowns in the league. So, Sammy Watkins at least still deserves to be in the wide receiver three conversation. So, I think that's why I have him a little higher than you. Like, I have him definitively in this group. I have him lockstep with right now Lockett and Ridley and Cooper Cup because I think he deserves to be in that conversation for the upside of whatever games Hill misses. And then, obviously, if Hill misses 10, he's going to go even higher. But let's not discount the fact that Watkins can still be a really good wide receiver three. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's the next person on the list. So I'm just wondering, should he be on this tier? Should he be on the next year? Like, I got Allen Robinson, Jarvis, Tyler Boyd, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, Will Fuller. Like, out of that group of guys, who deserves to be up with the Tyler Lockett's, Robbie Anderson's, and Calvin Ridley's of the world? I would say none of them. I just, but Watkins, if four games missed from Tyreek Hill, I'd put Watkins into this tier. All right, so let's make that tier six then. Um, is there any preference you have of some of these guys? Like, is Tyler Boyd an aberration, or if everyone is healthy, like just draft Tyler Boyd and play him because he's great? No, Tyler Boyd is people. This is one of those ones that you talk about the, the post hype sleepers. Tyler Boyd's a perfect example of it. If people just kind of want to write off talent too quickly just because they get frustrated that they didn't get it so quick. Uh, Tyler Boyd deserves to be in this conversation, no question in my mind. As Corey Davis, I actually have Corey Davis even further down than you do. It just, it comes I, down I, to the, 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 my list. Wasn't really an order. It was just a collection of names okay. that I grouped together. Like, I mean, no, I, no, no, I, no. I would, I would rather draft DD Westbrook than draft Corey Davis. Cause I'm a crazy person. I love DD Westbrook. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I wouldn't put Corey Davis in the tier we're talking about right now. Okay. So, so how about, how about this? Watkins Boyd, Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry. Those four belong in this tier for sure. Yes. Uh, how about Will Fuller? Ugh, I hate Will Fuller so much, but yes. Okay. How about Marvin Jones? Well, PPR, I don't know. Eh, yeah. This, even if he's 70% of what he was at the beginning of the season when he's healthy and you don't think those touchdowns are going to continue, Will Fuller deserves to be in the conversation. Okay. Who's a better PPR wide receiver, Will Fuller or Kiki Cutie? That's it's still Will Fuller, but I think it's very close. Okay. Uh, would you put Christian Kirk or any of the Giants receivers into that tier? 
I would put Christian Kirk and Sterling Shepard in this tier. Really? Uh, you, think that, you, you, you think that Sterling Shepard will be better than Golden Tate? Yes, I do. Well, mostly because I also don't think that Eli Manning starts the entire year for the Giants. I think that the change finally comes. And not that I expect so much for it to be like, oh, there's going to be this vast improvement with Daniel Jones. People know how I feel about Daniel Jones. But it's Sterling Shepard is their number one. Look, this is going to be another one where you say, you know, if you told me at the end of the season, if you told me at the end of the season, Golden Tate was the number one in in like production wise, I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm going to put my money on Sterling Shepard because of the age, because of the skills, because of, I think Sterling Shepard can work better outside than people realize. I still don't think he's great. Actually, I think Christian Kirk and Sterling Shepard deserve to be in the same conversation. They are both really good out of the slot. They can both work outside better than people give them credit for. And I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I said that out of college with Christian Kirk is why I thought he was going to see the field pretty quick is because I think he needed to play in the slot. I thought they could leave Larry Fitzgerald there and he could play outside. So I think both of them are going to be their team's number one. Larry Fitzgerald is not the Arizona Cardinals number one anymore, at least in my opinion. And I think that if you look at Kirk and Shepard, you're going to be the number one. You're going to get the number one targets you know, what's the target difference between Tate and Fitzgerald and Shepard and Kirk? And I think that's where it's going to come down to your preference. If you have the gap that I do in targets, even a less efficient like performance for those two is still going to have them ahead of those other, the Fitzgerald and, and the situation with Golden Tate. So I'll go Watkins, Boyd, Robinson, Landry, Fuller, Westbrook, Kirk, Shepard, Cutie. Then I got Davis, Marvin Jones, Dante Pettis, and Golden Tate. Does that make sense? It does, but I would put Cutie in that second group. I mean, they're all just a part of the same group. Oh, okay. It's, it's all, it's all one, pet- it's all one tier for and me. Even though it's PPR, I still put like, I don't want to own them because you just got to put them in your lineup and deal with it every single week. But Deshaun Jackson deserves to be in this tier now. Deshaun Jackson deserves to be in that tier. Okay. What about one of the Denver receivers, whether it be Sutton Sanders, probably not Sanders or your, <laughs> or your boy, Deshaun well, Hamilton. Bay Sean Hamilton. Come on, get it right. Like, look, Okay, here's here's what it is. I'm sticking to it as of today, and I'm not trying to hedge a bet or anything like that. I, I everybody by now knows I am Deshaun Hamilton for life. Love Deshaun Hamilton. Love the talent. I think he will be their number one wide receiver, unless Emmanuel Sanders is somehow pulling the Adrian Peterson freaking nature. You come back from an injury you're not supposed to come back from because it's an injury that most players don't come back from. Period. We saw Deontay Foreman last year. And yes, Deontay Foreman's a different style player and he's a running back. That, oh, point being, go back through the history of Achilles injuries. Players don't come back from it and don't even look like they're 100% when they do get back months down the road after coming back. So the the everything's stacked against Emmanuel Sanders. These Instagram posts are just Instagram posts, but he looks amazing so far. I'm still, as of today, saying Emmanuel Sanders, I'm not sure plays much of a factor. If he doesn't, Deshaun Hamilton has the talent to be the perfect receiver for what is Joe Flacco short to intermediate game. He doesn't throw the ball downfield. He's going to target Deshaun Hamilton a lot more than Cortland Sutton. And I like Cortland Sutton as a talent, but fit wise, it's Deshaun Hamilton. Again, all assuming what I assume about Emmanuel Sanders. All right. I'll throw Deshaun Hamilton, the back end of that giant tier of guys over Cortland Sutton. You sold me on that. What about like your... Geronimo Allison's, your Curtis Samuels, maybe one of the Bills receivers, whether it be Robert Foster or John Brown, or or those guys distinctively not a part of this tier. No, I, Curtis Samuel and Geronimo Allison, I think you can make a case for both. I would probably start them in the next tier and be at the top of that next tier. I like both of them. The concern I have with Geronimo Allison is we just don't know right now if it's going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantland or Geronimo Allison that ends up being the one that Rodgers 
connects with more. I mean, we've seen him complain about both. We've seen him talk up both. It's Aaron Rodgers at this point. Aaron Rodgers doesn't even like Matt LaFleur right now because he wants to run his offense. Don't tell me what to do. But it's going to come down to who he likes more, who gets more targets. There's a certain situation that I don't think is inconceivable where they both see around the same amount. And now you're just dealing with inconsistent wide receiver fours all year. So that's why I wouldn't put him in this tier. Uh, to go back to Curtis Samuel, like uh, look, everybody knows by this point, Matt Harmon has been talking him up with this entire offseason for his route running, his reception, perception, all that type of stuff. It still comes down to it's Cam Newton at quarterback. So I like Curtis Samuel as much as the next guy, not as much as Matt Harmon. And I own a lot of Curtis Samuel, but there's still a ceiling built in when you're dealing with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and an offense led by passing Cam Newton. So who else should we even be talking about? We haven't talked about any of the rookies yet. We kind of broke it down that none of them project to be like a top three wide receiver on a starting fantasy team. But if you had to draft one for this year only, which one would it be? Right now? uh, Even even with the dice on Nikhil Harry? No, I'd still roll the dice on Marquise Brown right now. The problem is, is I, everybody just assumed at the draft, like if you looked at drafts and he's, his value is starting to drop and his cost is starting to drop because of it. But immediately after the draft, Marquise Brown was going in this tier, even a little bit higher for the excitement of what Marquise Brown could do. The problem is, is that foot is like no guarantee coming off that list, Frank. I mean, he's still not even running at full speed yet and doing everything that needs to be done. So We have some time to find out whether Marquise Brown is even going to be much of an impact as a rookie. But as of now, because of the upside, because of what he brings, and if you're bringing, like, you know, I I was a big fan of Miles Boykin. I thought he was one of the more underrated wide receivers in the draft. But you're talking about Lamar Jackson, and style-wise, I want Marquise Brown over Miles Boykin. But Miles Boykin would obviously see a tick up if Marquise Brown can't get on the field. Who would you, how about Anthony Miller as someone who everyone loved last year? Uh, going to drafts kept skyrocketing up he was colossal bust is he someone that in year two can be a lot better he could be it comes down to Trubisky and this team as a whole I mean that Trey Burton being hurt right now is obviously made me a little bit more excited for Anthony Miller but we're still talking about an offense is like is Anthony Miller definitively going to be the number two option in the passing game they like David Montgomery a lot. They even said they liked them more than Jordan Howard, whose people still don't realize had 20 receptions last year in his own fair share of targets. They still have Tariq Cohen. If Allen Robinson stays on the field, but I think that's where the appeal of Anthony Miller is. Is like maybe Anthony Miller is the one that you take the dice roll on, knowing how risky the person in front of him is. And if he becomes the number one this year, now with another year, well, with a year of development. Anthony Miller could be a wide receiver three with no Allen Robinson on the field. I just don't, I don't think he's quite still ready to be a number one. And honestly, as much as I like him, cause he kind of like glides in and out his routes. I don't know that Anthony Miller is ever going to be a team's number one go-to guy. I think he's kind of to go back to something like an Anquan Bolden, where he needs somebody at his level or even slightly better across from him to really get the best out of him. So I'm going to throw him on that tier with Curtis Samuel, Geronimo Allison, then Anthony Miller. The guy that was going to lead off that tier is going to be Albert Wilson, though. looks like he's going to be ready for week one. And I just think that he's really good. So if they can find (laughs) out the right way to utilize him and for as much hype as there is around Devontae Parker, I'm just not doing it. Well, we do Devontae Parker every single year. And the best part about (laughs) Devontae Parker is you get him for free now. You just take him at the end of the draft. So now I'll actually have a share of Devontae Parker. I don't know, like right now, because Albert Wilson, here's the problem. Albert Wilson's going with the assumption that he's ready for week one. I'm not paying that. Like, I agree with you. If healthy. Where's he actually going, though? Like the 13th round? Who cares? uh, Higher than that in the recent draft that I just did. I mean, again, this is all relative to everybody out there. Put it this way. 
I'm not drafting Albert Wilson in the single digits. And I think that there's some, but there's some people that depending on who you're drafting with, because the burr alert and all the excitement around him and all that type, I think you're going to see somebody jump early and I'm not going to do that without knowing for sure he's ready for week one. So I I, I might not have any shares of him though. If you told me everybody was hundred percent healthy for week one, yes. If that team, Albert Wilson would be my first choice, not Devontae Parker. So right now, uh, as per ADP, and I know this changes and this is sort of an overall snapshot of what's going on. He's wide receiver 80 coming off the board, picked number 221 around Marquise Lee, Zay Jones and Demarcus Robinson. Now, Marquise Lee, that's an interesting flyer that I'm willing to take at the end of drafts. But I just what I'm trying to find it. I, there was a draft that he just went in the ninth round. That, that was yeah, in, that's a draft and, that you're in that like happened yesterday, and that's also one draft, right. not all drafts. Right. I, 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 and that's I, why I would I say that's probably. I would say that yeah, that's probably not the norm. That's probably a huge, a huge outlier at least. No, but are you willing to take right now today? I know it sounds like he's but but let's go back two weeks ago. Two weeks ago is oh he's out for at least week four. So. Right now, if you're in a draft, Pat, are you taking him in the 11th round, 12th round? Like, I mean, at what point are you ready to jump? Sure, unless there was someone better on my board. 12th round sounds fine to me. And if he sucks yeah, and he doesn't I, I play, then he sucks spot. and doesn't play. Then I go pick up someone off the waiver wire. Big deal. It's a 12. How often think, do your 12th round draft picks really pan out? Oh, well, and that's what I was going to say. I think once you hit 11th, I think 11th is where you can start considering him. And if you play in like a normal league as well, just don't draft a kicker, don't draft a defense, and then you can just pile up with extra <laughs> players on your team. I had somebody, <laughs> and and then you somebody can just then you, then you can just home. but then you can just wait and see. Like if he's not ready for week one, uh, fuck it, I'll drop Albert Wilson. No, no, this 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 is the most like I I was banging my head against the wall. Like I I don't even understand how this person was trying to make this sensical. It says sensible. I can't even make a word out of it. So I was talking about a draft that I just did. You're you're hundred percent. It's 18 rounds. And I said, as as perfect, I didn't draft the kicker because you know what? I'll take one more of my sleepers. Whoever doesn't pan out, maybe somebody gets hurt. Something's going to happen as you know, the quote, the cliche is it works itself out. And it's like, I go pick up a kicker. And somebody was like, no, you can't do that because then people know about your sleeper. Like, what are you talking about? You own your sleeper. Yeah, what? You, I, I don't understand that argument. Yeah, you already have the guy on your team. It's a moot point now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, that's just strange business. I never draft a kicker or defense. Unless I draft a defense, the defense that I want, and basically the only defense that I want is whoever I think has a really good matchup in week one. I'll just draft them in the last <laughs> round. That's fine. I'll just have them for week one and figure it out from there. But if there is a kicker in a league, that's just an extra pick that you get to have that when someone inevitably gets hurt during the preseason when you're doing these drafts, right. oh, I can just drop them and I can replace that spot with a kicker. But you just get more, more, more bullets in the chamber if you draft that way. Yeah, I, I will I, a little bit to your point about the defense. If I if I see a defense that's a strong one and I, I like their first two or three games, I'll do that be, the second to last round just because then I know like while everybody's making those waiver moves in the first couple of weeks, I don't have to try and play Matt. You know, like I don't have to go after defenses. All right, so we talked through the top 50 or so wide receivers. This doesn't need Ish. to be a 70 hour show. So before we get out of here, any other wide receivers you think should be brought up? Like, do you have a hard stance on, let's say, Moncrief versus James Washington? As of right now, I'm a James Washington person. You, I am a James Washington fan. Uh, this isn't like, oh, look, I talked to you know to Mike Tomlin, but Mike Tomlin last year told me that he liked James Washington just as much as he liked Juju Smith-Schuster when they drafted him at the time, the year later. So I think he's going to give him every single chance he can get. But again, we've seen Dante Moncrief and we've seen Dante Moncrief, what he can do from a touchdown side and playing with Andrew Luck. So 
if he's the number two, it wouldn't shock me. I'm taking James Washington for the upside rise now, but Donkey Moncrief is right on his heels. Uh, I'd say the only ones that we didn't bring up that I would even think are worthy of mentioning is you talk well out real quick. I didn't, I didn't answer your bills question. I don't think anybody in the bills finishes with over 800 yards. So I'm kind of staying away from most of them. But if I do take one at the end of drafts, cause he's basically free, it's Robert Foster, but I'm going to go back to the, the Raven situation. If Marquise Brown is out, miles Boykin, again, one of the most underrated ones. And he'll be the number one. He's going to struggle at times. He's going to struggle with Mar Jackson's not going to throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. But Mar Jackson's a better passion than people give him credit for and is going to develop this year. The offense is going to change despite that limited playbook he was given where he's allowed to run most of the time. Miles Boykin could be somebody that as of like a late at the end of the year draft, he's not even, what is he ADP? Like probably like 95 right now. I think he's outside. He's the top. Somebody- I, I actually think he's outside the top 100. So there you go. I think Miles Boykin is somebody that if you're in a deeper league, you don't have to draft him right now, but if you're in a deeper league, take the flyer because if Brown doesn't play, he's going to be the number one talent wise. Just looking at this list right now, like I had Funches pocked. I'm not drafting Devin Funches. Um, <laughs> Tyrell Williams. PPR, I will. Jamison Crowder, like Crowder or Anunwa or none. What, what, what's your? I would take Crowder. Okay. If um, healthy, if, if, if healthy playing that slot role, he'll, he'll be really valuable. San Francisco wide receivers. Have we decided Pettis is the guy? Pettis is the guy. And I would be surprised as of today, if Pettis and Samuel or, or Samuel, yeah, Debo aren't the top two. So not Kendrick Bourne, not Marquise Goodwin. Or Taylor, who's been talked up by Wes Wilker. Oh, big shocker. Any of the secondary Patriots guys, like could Philip Dorsett actually emerge into someone? Maybe Demarius Thomas has some more life in him. Uh, I think Demarius Thomas is possibly toast. I, I think it's Inman, honestly, just because that's what the Patriots do. Yeah, I mean, I could see. I, I am not, uh, as someone who has played Dontrell Inman in their uh, fantasy careers, I'd be on board with that. I could say, yeah. It, I played him last year when he was on the Colts. Hey. It wouldn't surprise me. You want to go back to the rookies real quick. You might as well take a flyer on Isabella too, because we legitimately don't know who Kyler Murray is. Like I could talk up Christian Kirk all day and believe he's the number one, but it's going to come down to who Kyler Murray likes and connects with. Yeah. I guess that's more of a preseason discussion. When we re-up, we'll figure that out. Yeah. All right. I I don't see anybody else. Uh, DJ Chark. He could be the number one with the Jaguars. Could he? taking a flyer at the end of drafts. Over Keelan Cole? Uh, there's talk that Keelan Cole might be the one out. Good. More, more shares for Didi. Just all Didi all and day. Stay coming back. Yeah. I'm not too concerned about that. Didi Westbrook's where the future is, Jake. <laughs> okay. That'll do it on the Pat Mayo experience, uh, wide receiver rankings. You can find all the lists in separated into the tiers up on dkplaybook.com. And Jake, once again, at theathletic.com slash all in sports for 30% off. What else you got going on in terms of articles, rankings, and podcasts. Oh, yeah. So much going on. The All in Sports podcast on Wednesday is actually off this week. We're going to be up at the FSGA, but uh, more stuff rolling out every single week. I got my I already did overvalued, which include Baker Mayfield for where he's going in drafts. Next week is going to be undervalued, which that's what people like sleepers, the cliche word. So that and then the two podcasts, Tuesdays and Thursdays with your friend Chris Meany up there, fellow Canadian and Brad Ziegler, the pitcher. We do that sports unsealed Tuesdays and Thursdays. All right. That'll do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the PME. All my rankings up on DKPlaybook.com. Subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience podcast wherever you download podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. 
tune in, doesn't matter, Pat Mayo Experience is up there. And if you leave a five-star review, DraftKings handles something nice about the show, you will be in a draw for 20 DK dollars, as you will if you do those things that I said at the beginning of the episode, which now I don't remember an hour later. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience! Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.